What's up, everybody? Welcome to PP with Jace. I don't know what number this episode is. I was about to say episode number, like, 15? I think it's 15. Welcome to episode probably number 15. I'm pretty certain it's 15. Dude, that's a lot of episodes. Yeah, we've done well, um, despite last week. Yeah, last week was a weird week. We were both not, like, 100% and time and all those things and it just kind of didn't happen and uh, we wanted to post a radio lab episode to sort of use as a, a guest fill-in um i wasn't sure how that would work with like copyright stuff so i went ahead and submitted an inquiry to to see if i could do it and i got a really bizarre email back um all it said was sorry period the answer is, and then in, like, quotations, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what does that mean? Um, but then I emailed him back, and I was like, um, cool, like, my co-host and I don't really know anything about radio, so could you explain to us why so we can just kind of have an opportunity to learn? I haven't heard back yet, probably won't, because that's typically how that goes. Yeah. But I actually am curious to learn a little bit about copyright stuff maybe i'll do some some research on that we've i've actually been learning a little bit about a little bit more about copyright but more how it pertains to the internet and things like that in one of my courses but yeah that would be cool i was curious but anyway so if you're listening to this you should go check out the radio lab episode we were going to post the one on CRISPR, um which is amazing new technology for gene therapy and um lots of implications i was actually talking to a professor here about an, a grant they got recently um, using um, a model of HIV, which has obviously uh, been a pretty destructive uh, virus, and using CRISPR to cure people of AIDS, basically. Dang. Which is wild. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's insane. So anyway, go listen to CRISPR. Um, they do a great job of making it accessible because it's really complex technology that I don't even fully understand that much. But they do a good job with it. So, yeah. anyway, so that didn't work out. But, <laughs> Long uh, story short. Speaking of CRISPR, if this episode sounds CRISPR, it is because we are re- <laughs> we are recording it on one uh, on Joseph's laptop. It's true. This week instead of mine, uh, because mine is currently shattered <laughs> because I dropped the microphone on it. <laughs> it was really sad. So, mom, I'll tell you about this later. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, it was, it sucked. I just kind of watched it fall, and and then he said very calmly, like, well, my computer's broken, to the extent where I thought you may have been joking, and you weren't. No, it don't work no more. <laughs> so anyway, we're on my computer, which is a has more processing power anyway, so it might be better. I don't really know. We're going to find out. It looks... Looks pretty good so far on our recording software, but anyway. So is that your uh, is that your fun fact for the week? Um, now it is. I feel like <laughs> yeah, it's that'll that'll work, and I can save what I was thinking for this week for next week. So maybe I'll be slightly prepared. There you go. Um, that but what what are we gonna be as we record on your computer? What are we gonna be talking about today? That's right. So uh, this week we are diving into what is really a pretty mysterious disease. And so our episode should be pretty quick um, because we don't really know a lot about how prions work, to be honest. They're incredibly fascinating. 
And the specific disease that, that deals with prions is um, Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease that we're dealing with today. It yeah. has your name in it. I was excited until I realized you didn't just pronounce it like my name, but whatever. Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease. That's better, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, yeah, but before we dive into that, we have a little bit of, I guess, correction, um, a little bit of learning that we did. I don't know, I'll preface this with kind of going back to the first episode where we said uh, we are obviously not experts on this, and so we're going to be learning, uh, but a big part of learning is actively trying to learn, and so that was one thing that we encouraged. If you guys heard anything that was wrong, then go ahead and let us know. Um, on the autism episode, we didn't necessarily receive an email from someone, but I actually reached out to a friend of mine um, who's really involved in the autistic community, and I, I kind of wanted to see if she had any wisdom, um, anything that we could improve on, anything that we messed up on, um, and she was great, super understanding. Um, that, her name's Alyssa. Um, she, she's fantastic and was really helpful to me and I haven't gotten to share all this with you yet but the the biggest thing she said um, as far as an opportunity for us to learn and grow uh, was talking about the language that we use either identity first or person first to do this briefly and then we can dive into Kurtzfeld, Jacob and or Jacob depending on who's telling you um, identity first language deals with the identity of a person so the idea here being that autism is a component of someone's identity because it is sort of a, a different wiring of the brain, right? So it's it's not necessarily a disease pathology. It's just a different developmental track. We kind of went over that a bit um, what, two weeks ago, I guess. And then the, the flip side of that is person-first language. Which, which says a person with autism. So you're, you're in a sense separating them from the identity um, that a lot of autistic self-advocates have begun to claim. Uh, so what she explained to me a little bit was that, um, that this person-first language is typically found in medical and academic contexts, which would make a lot of sense because a, a lot of what I have learned um, kind of socially about autism has been in those contexts. And so I, I learned and had modeled to me the person first. Um, and it kind of distances yourself. So the the, the big example, she sent a, an article that I'll post with this episode, but the big example was kind of, um, you wouldn't say like, um, what did they, like an, a person with Asian descent, you would say an Asian person, because in that context, their part of their identity is their heritage um, so in this context part of someone's identity is their is their autism um, likewise if if they had uh, let's say multiple sclerosis you wouldn't say my multiple multiple sclerosis friend or something like you would say a friend with multiple sclerosis so it's it's usually associated with disease um, or pathology as opposed to identity so that's the big difference does all that make sense I think so. Yeah, that's helpful. Cool. Yeah, it's like it's a small thing, but words are powerful, right? So that's that's kind of the the central message of that is, um, you know, be careful with what you say, be aware of what you say, but always be willing willing to learn and change what you say too, which is what we ran into here. So to anyone who listened and um, noticed that, 
we apologize for that. And uh, to Alyssa, we thank you for just being willing to help us out um, and, and teach us something new. So Yeah, it's worthwhile stuff, and it's especially helpful just to know someone who can uh, we can communicate with, talk to about things like that. It's, um, yeah, it was awesome. She was really helpful with that. So anyway, that's our preface for this one, and then we'll jump into Kurtzfeld Jakob. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Which is also known as CJD, which we'll probably say more frequently. <laughs> probably, yeah. Yeah, thanks for speaking on, on that uh, to start us off today. Yep. Uh, yeah. Kreutzfeld Jakob. That's the one. <laughs> All right. So this disease is, uh, is defined as a rare, degenerative, invariable, fatal neurodegenerative disorder. Uh, believed to be caused by an abnormal isoform of a cellular glycoprotein known as prion protein. And you've mentioned prion already. I have. I kind of threw that one in there. Yeah. The the first half of that sentence is pretty understandable for me. Like <laughs> rare, degenerative, invariably fatal neurodegenerative disorder. But then everything after that is all science <laughs> Well, that's um, what we will work to expand upon. So that's the CDC's definition of CJD. And yeah, like you said, it's kind of broken down into this broad description of what it looks like and then this scientific description of what we think is going on. So for now, we can go ahead and start with the broad description. What you got? All right, cool. So it's generally, well, first, it's it's somewhat, it seems like a very extreme form almost of dementia. Yeah. Right? So, man, this stuff is fast acting. Um, so one of the problems with diagnosis has been that by the time you can confirm positively that someone has CJD, they are deep into the pathology and likely going to die soon. So it's a, it's a really tragic complication in the medical context because, I mean, what do you do with that? You know, it's, um, it's hard and yeah, that's why they describe it as invariably fatal. So, but and, and speaking about uh, diagnosis, it's really not very easily diagnosable either. It's kind of right. like a best guess unless you have like a biopsy, yeah. which is not encouraged because there can be complications. Yep. And by, it's not really helpful at that point or an autopsy, which, you know. Exactly. Too late um, at that point. Yeah, that's that's pretty much how we diagnose at this point is like things have degenerated so much that a biopsy is an option which is crazy. That's almost never an option, especially with like neural stuff or it's, it's a um, postmortem. It's after they're dead. So neither of those are really efficient means of treating someone. Right. So well, that's the struggle we're running into currently with CJD. Yeah. Well, it is very rare though. So that's another, yeah, rare. what another one thing. in one in 1 million. Yeah. It's literally the one in the million case. Yeah. Um, but let's uh, get into what, what happens before, yes. you know, this attempted diagnosis. So generally, um, it will start later in life, so yep. 60 year older typically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, like you said, it progresses very, very quickly. Like 90% of people die within a year after kind of recognizing that that's what they probably have. Yeah, it's a really high percentage. Um, so it's very fast acting, but it, it starts out with more general symptoms. For example, there might be issues um, with general balance and coordination, um, those kind of functions. It also tends to affect eyesight. 
Um, and that progresses as, um, by the end of it, uh, you could be completely blind, but it starts with, you know, more moderate um, yeah. issues with vision, uh, can affect mood, personality. Well, not really personality, but maybe in a way. What, what, what eventually, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, eventually it just kind of destroys your brain enough that even personality is, is affected. Um, yeah, it's it's sad. But yeah, like you said, it's it's that kind of progression from eh, something bad's going on to your your internal personality has changed um, because your brain has changed. And you mentioned the eyesight. What I think we talked about, man, we talked about cocaine syndrome, right? Where the mm-hmm. the UV um, the UV rays had an effect, yeah. and eyesight was one of the the big ones because neural cells in the eyes, the retinal cells, are so sensitive. Kind of a similar idea here that, you know, optic nerve cells and retinal cells are sensitive. So it's one of the first things that you can begin to notice going on top of, you know, the the balance and coordination and all that. Because that makes a lot of sense to, to go early on, too. But, yeah, it just kind of progresses from this, oh, your balance is a little bit off. Oh, you can't really see. Oh, your your memory is being really affected. Oh, my goodness. Like, this is a different person. And that can be really difficult for um, the patient as they go through this, as well as caregivers and family. And but yeah, so it just kind of goes along that progression, and then the final stage is is patient death. So yeah, and a lot of times it's just it progresses until the patient is in a coma, and yeah. then from then things just start failing. Yep. Um, it's yeah. sad. It's it's quick too, man. This one's this one's crazy. But uh, yeah, there are a few different types that they've generally described and there's um there's three types that they usually categorize um cases into so one one of them is sporadic one of them is genetic and one of them is acquired um so the sporadic one is exactly what it sounds like and it actually accounts for 85% of cases so the fact that almost 90% of these cases so 85% of cases are sporadic in occurrence that just continues to confuse doctors like why why would that be um and then genetic is only 10 to 15 percent of cases so they've identified a few genes and they've definitely identified one called a prion protein which we'll get into in a little bit but what actually goes on and which which gene does what and how do they all contribute and coordinate it's pretty uncertain and then the acquired is actually basically the the idea of um, what's it mad cow disease. Um, this one confused me as I read about it because it seemed like first of all it said something about basically basically this is what I heard if brain if the brain juice of someone with this somehow gets on you or something you can catch it. Yeah, it's more or less like that. <laughs> it, I that. Uh, so a lot of times with these acquired diseases it's it's kind of just hospital negligence where it'll be some sort of dirty station or a a messed up needle i don't know i didn't do a lot of digging into how the acquiring can happen as far as the consumption of bad central nervous uh, system tissue so i don't know i don't i don't think but man i don't actually know if you eat like a cow that has a prion disease if humans could 
develop prion disease. Not necessarily CJD specifically, but... So I'm not really sure, but usually acquired in, in medical circumstances, if it's not direct transmission from person to person, it's within the hospital. Okay. So, which is not a great answer, but a decent answer. <laughs> Helps me understand it just a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So those are the, those are the cases and they're relatively self-explanatory in name, except for the genetic, which is what we're going to get into. Uh, you have anything else for the, the broad strokes? No, I don't. Uh, I don't believe I do. Let's let's jump into the science. Cool deal. Let's do this. So, we have no clue what's going on. All right. So that's all I have for today. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> no. Um. So obviously it's not that simple, and we kind of say this a lot and joke about it. Um. This whole like we don't exactly know what's going on kind of thing. We've probably said that every week to a certain degree. This is one of the great medical mysteries that is still out there. Um, yeah, prion diseases are crazy, man, because it's it's a little misfolding of a protein that can somehow induce a, a massive disease pathology. Um, you know, you, you think of viruses being really small, having a, a large effect, and it's kind of crazy, but they have, you know... Um, proteins and enzymes that can reproduce DNA, that can and that can break through um, protective components of cells, that can, um, you know, hide themselves within cellular DNA, all of these crazy mechanisms that are stored inside a virus. Um, you think of bacteria, you know, it has, um, you know, its own DNA, its own set of proteins and enzymes, and um, it does metabolism, all these things. And like, think of fung- fungus um, infections, like all of these Infections we normally think of are actually pretty large particles or animals that are that are doing this. You know, they're organisms. And prion aren't like that. They're just proteins that are messed up somehow. That's crazy because it's really hard to see and study a, just a misfolded protein. So, like, even large and small viruses we can see under microscopes. Um, definitely you know, bacterial cells and, and fungus cells, you can't really see the misfolding of a protein, certainly not in a conventional manner. So that's that's one huge complication to understanding what's actually going on. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to kind of get into also because we don't really know. So what I think is most helpful, I could sort of go into a few theories here and there. There was a, there was a couple of findings in um, earlier this year, um, last year and then in 2015 that have kind of begun to reveal some potential applications, um, how a knockout mouse of this, this protein, um, the prion protein, which is the prion gene, how a knockout mouse of that, which means it's a mouse that doesn't have that gene, has problems with myelination, which is uh, what, Jacob? You got this. I know you got this. Well, myelin is the stuff that surrounds neurons. It kind of insulates and um, helps its effectiveness, keeps it running smooth. Yes! That was completely unscripted for any of you guys out there listening. I didn't even, like, review that beforehand. I just I actually knew it. Exactly. <laughs> We're learning things. Uh, yeah, so they, they noted a problem with myelination, especially in the peripheral nervous system. This is a really hard question. I don't know if you're going to get this one. Do you remember what cells form myelin in the peripheral nervous system? 
Brain cells. <laughs> That's the ones. Uh, yeah, so these are Schwann cells and your favorite type of cells, oligodendrocytes. Oligodendrocytes. Do so in the central nervous system. So they found that, um, obviously, demyelination is bad, inefficient neurons, inefficient communication, something happening there. There was another one that found um, this, this protein called, or not protein, uh, sorry, this substance called NAD. Um, it's a metabolite. It's part of your kind of metabolic processes. So it helps you regulate when you need energy, when you store energy, when you're active, um, all of these things. But um, they found some misregulation with, with NAD. But again, like, why is that happening? Not really sure. So what I think is most useful for explaining prions, and we'll kind of ignore everything else that are a lot of uncertain theories, and go with these these two um, theories of how prions become aberrant, which means toxic and damaging or whatever, bad, basically. So, in, in one of them, there's this equilibrium that exists between your healthy prion protein and your bad prion protein. Um, and so the, the idea is that over time, your body gets worse at regulating this equilibrium, and that's why you see it at a later onset, is that the the favor begins to shift towards the bad form. Why would the bad form normally exist? There's probably not a cellular function, but it probably exists just because of folding patterns. Um, that's kind of a, a complex chemical theory, but essentially all everything in your, your body, especially with folding and isomers and all these things, which are just different forms of proteins, exist in equilibrium. Uh, but your, your body can control them in particular ways. And anyway, long story short, the idea is that over time, the the bad version starts to form, and then this bad form or this bad version um, kind of accumulates with itself, and then once it starts accumulating, um, more of it forms to form more accumulation, form more aggregates, and this circle kind of happens, and then eventually these these accumulations grow so large and and organized that they have some sort of downstream effect on the body. It's a pretty broad description of what might be going on. Um, but that's part one, theory one of how prion, prion proteins become dangerous. Part two, and then we'll wrap it up, is this uh, this idea again of a regulation between healthy prion and bad prion. Um, and the, the bad form is just, I don't know, it's some sort of form that can possibly exist if you fold the protein in a particular way. But the idea is that the good form is much more favored um, you know, energetically and biologically that the bad form just doesn't, doesn't happen. Um, I, I don't know if there's like some sort of metaphor. I'll probably think of it and then come up with it next week and fill you guys in. Um, but basically, the, the bad form is an alternative route that the protein could take. And when it's folding from just a, a line into a, some three-dimensional structure. Um, but normally that doesn't happen. So again, the idea is that somehow um, the regulation on this that your body has and coordinating to normally the good version breaks down and then your bad version starts to form and starts to aggregate. It starts to transform good ones, which is another component of this theory. And then again, you get into a super organized form of bad protein that has downstream effects. So those are kind of the two 
the two possible paths that we think now, and a lot of the research that we're finding is is kind of fitting into these, these two paths. And as is with many other scientific theories, it's probably a combination of these two. Um, they, they probably exist in coordination with each other. But anyway, that's what we'll leave off with for prion proteins and CJD uh, because a lot of the other stuff fits very complicated because it's pretty new science. But those two theories... If you want to sound smart at a dinner party, you can talk about prion proteins <laughs> and the theories of aberration. Yeah. So let me pretend I'm at a dinner party right All now. All right. We can well, clink our glasses. I have uh, some aberrant prions. Oh, what is that kind, sir? Well, it depends. Um, <laughs> you see, you have two different theories. Okay. Um, but neither way, they're folding up in some weird ways. Mm-hmm. Um, in theory, number one, yep. we'll say... They start folding up in weird ways, and then somehow they kind of clump together. Yes. Um, and then they just build up and build up, and that causes problems down the road. We're not exactly sure how right. that affects those, whatever it affects, but it causes problems because they build on each other. And um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and in that theory, the existence of the bad protein, like it already exists in your body, but in some sort of, I don't know, beneficial equilibrium. So, and Then there's a second theory uh, where the folds cause it to kind of take a different pathway, this prion. I think I understand this part less. <laughs> it's fair. It's a, it's like a subtle difference. But yeah, continue, and I can refine the definition. Uh, but they travel. I think that might be all I have. They travel, and then they're bad, and then they still sort of develop. Um, but yeah, what, what, what exactly happens here? Okay, so there's like two pathways that could be taken. Here, the metaphor has come to me. You come upon a fork in the road. The left fork is this beautiful paved pathway with street lights, all that good stuff. And your right road is a sand pathway with rocks and snakes and stuff. Basically, you're going to take your left pathway because it's the left pathway and it looks a lot better and it's easier to do. You're not going to take your right pathway because it's dangerous. Same idea here. But at some point along the road, the left pathway, the good one, becomes much more difficult to go down. There's some sort of barrier there. And so you start to go down the bad pathway. And then also somehow this bad pathway, this new formed protein, starts to recruit good proteins to become bad. So, I don't know. It's like a super mega evil genius who recruits his minions or her minions. So, pathway two equals super mega evil genius who pulls the good ones down the bad path. Pretty much. Cool. I think that... Uh, that's prions. We're going to sound like like a genius at dinner parties. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's all we got this week. Um, yeah, if you want to email us, we're uh, pbwithjays at gmail.com. Check us out on the web at pbwithjays.com. And uh, anything else? I think that's... I think that's all we got. Check out the Friday review. That's actually a thing that's been happening. So that's been cool. And yeah, I think that's all I got for this week. <laughs>